This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza. Welcoming in celebratory Chris Anderson. Business booming, Chris. Six wins for West Virginia. Two in a row, four out of six to end the season. It seems like uh, Neil Brown maybe rubbed his eyes, saw something here toward the end, and, and got his team to where he wanted to go. Um, and yet, I don't know how everybody would feel about 34 to 28 against Kansas. Yeah, well, I, I think if you watch what you're, if you watch that game, there was, I do I want to say more more to dislike than to like from that contest. I mean, it was a win. Uh, Letty Brown looked great. Tony Mathis, a little promising for the future. Offensive line cleared some running lanes. But, um, I mean, man, Kansas was moving the ball pretty well. A, a couple key turnovers, which is not something we'd seen from West Virginia this year. So that was a pleasant surprise. But it, just getting away from some of that running game sometimes on offense, not getting things done on defense very well, it, it, except when it mattered, I guess. But, man. Is that you said celebratory? You were being facetious, yes. I wanted to see where you were going because, okay. <laughs> again, I feel like you could. I feel like you could. I was right, or I told you so. This not you specifically, but anybody who had some sort of punditry about this game because it kind of felt like it. I really thought that West Virginia was going to have its way and be able to move the ball on offense. And I just, I just didn't. I wasn't buying the Kansas experience, and I'm still not sold. I really like Daniels and. I think that they have something in some of their skill position people in the future. Offensive line's good. Defense is just going to need bodies in time. I just thought that their defense was so bad it was going to be a liability, which it was. But I'm I'm frankly surprised that the game wasn't over earlier. But then I sit here and I go, was it really not over? I never even even when like the th- the end zone interceptions were happening, I just never felt like that was going to be a West Virginia loss there. Um, but at the same time, you could you could point the canvas in your direction or some other person's direction and with the same paintbrush have different strokes and different outcomes. But, oh, my gosh, Kansas one onside kick away from a really helter-skelter possession. And Kansas just a little better in the red zone. They win this game. And you could be by and large correct about that, too. Yeah, just I felt like the entire game, it was just, hey, cut it out. Just hurry up and win the game. Like, cut it out. Stop screwing around. It's you're, You're the better team. Stop. And West Virginia just couldn't. Couldn't stop, couldn't get out of its way. I, I think we brought it up at one point. Uh, there was that that perfect, you know, watching from home on this one, did the, the, the TV view of showing Letty Brown on the sideline, who was averaging seven yards per carry at that moment, and then it pans back out, and you see Jarrett Agee in a in a five wide, empty back set for no reason at all. I, I it didn't make any sense. I don't know why that was happening, and boom, right off the bat. Pick six, going the other way. Suddenly it's a tie game. And you're thinking, again, it's like, just cut it out. Stop it. Like, just do, just run the ball straight ahead. You win the game, period. 
Um, so there was there was just a lot of that feeling, and, and I'm with you. Like the whole time, it was just like, yeah, Kansas is about to score, but they're not going to win. But I also never felt like the game was over either. It, it was a very strange feeling, a very strange game, which is, I guess, what you can expect from a season finale night game in Lawrence, Kansas. Yes. I'm watching the game with my parents. They're in town for this uh, holiday weekend, and they're uh, watching it, and they both know their football. But as you watch with somebody who hasn't watched every down, you have to get, kind of explain some things or fill in some commentary. They ask some questions, and you give some answers. And, and one of the things that I did tonight was – and I guess I say this a bunch here too because I, I see people mentioning this in comments or on the board, but like stepping on the rake. And they got the ball to start the second half. They had a great drive to end the first half. And they get the ball to start the second half. They go three and out. But they get it right back because Candace just didn't seem like it was opportune enough. And then we're watching the game, and it's just the, the question or the comment was something like, well, all right, second chance here to really put this game away. And I said, yeah, but they just have this habit of stepping on the – and before I could even say it, Diggy throws the slant to the linebacker, and it's the other way. And West Virginia threw three passes the rest of the way, Chris. As well they should have. That's your quarterback next year. Pregnant pause. <laughs> this is it, I'm just nine, saying, mo- like, nine I'm months just saying, pregnant. Nine months pregnant pause there. I, I'm just saying that like that's the reality of this. I don't know what the reality of the quarterback's identity is in the start of 2021. That's an ongoing drama that perhaps we can solve sometime soon. But certainly a potential reality exists where number two is your number one, and you can't ask him to not screw it up on the road. And again, I'm not saying he's going to, but he was terrific in the first half. Yet the ghosts of Mistakes pass, losses pass. I think we're somewhere in the stadium with not many other people in Lawrence, Kansas. And Brown just said, wait a minute, four and twenty-four, way too good here. Let's just hand the ball off the rest of the way. And that and that did it. Like they really leaned on Kansas in some spots. It took a lot of time off the clock where WV didn't have to do anything on the final possession apart from take three snaps. Didn't have to worry about a, a fumble or get having to get a first down and punt again or anything like that. It just that that time of possession really worked. And here we go into the at least the the indeterminate amount of time between now and their bowl game could be December 28th could be January 4th who knows but some amount of time to I guess ask and answer that question but it just struck me as odd that he played so well the in the first half at the end of the first half especially and you're thinking man he could really just pick a play out and do what he wants and all of a sudden he just hits a linebacker on a pass that is perfectly scattered he knew it was coming and then it's 21 21 and you're just thinking Man, how is he going to dig himself out of this? And he didn't. They never even gained the shovel. He threw three passes. He completed them all, but pretty much handing it off was the way to go. Was that not just kind of the epitome of his season, though? Of really the whole Jared Daigie experience? That that entire first half? I mean, he was yeah, great. 13 of 16 to start. And again, it was like, good, good, good. And those three misses... Well, okay, so the interception came when he was 13 of 18, but he started 13 of 16. So that interception came on his 18th attempt. So he's let's go there for the, er, right? Yeah, that was the start of the third quarter. In the first half, he was 13 of 16. I think when he was 13 of 18 at that point after the interception, that was what the, he had five incompletes, three of those. I mean, one of those did get picked and returned for a touchdown, and two others were interception worthy like you know that pro football focus that of turnover worthy plays again 13 completions and then probably out of those five incompletes three turnover worthy plays only one of which kansas took advantage of i mean if you if you're building campfires you're gonna burn some hair in your knuckles though aren't you yeah (laughs) 
like it's just gonna happen i think at some point you know but and it happened and they really smarted and all of a sudden just let's shift let's go from you know fourth year back to first and see what they can do and they did and it was fine um state of disrepair on defense is you know you're in a, a kansas two-minute drill and they're playing crossing routes and posts and, and shallow crosses with deshaun stevens and and Josh Chandler Samito, who Chandler Samito, two interceptions, great, good for him. Neither one of those guys are in, are supposed to be chasing slot guys around or covering posts, but uh, minimal pass rush. Uh, Jackie Matthews out, so Charles Woods not healthy enough to start. Is in the game finishing up. Uh, Saint McLeod played all your spear snaps. He did not have as good of a game tonight as before. Probably got robbed of the interception. Sean Mahone limped off the field. Alonzo Adai played, I think, every snap. It was it was pretty thin there at the end. Scotty Young wasn't on the field. I don't know what happened to him, but he wasn't on the field at the end of the game, and you certainly would like to have him on a drive where you know you're playing like seven-on-seven seven football. But I think that has something to do with the with the, with the, the numbers on defense. But I I think Kansas' offense is good, and every time I looked up, they were moving the ball like two plays, 50 yards. You're, think, you're thinking, I haven't even wrapped up the scoring from the prior drive for West Virginia. I went to get onto a Kansas drive here, too. They, they do have some talent there. Yeah, Jalen Daniels looked great. Uh, again, it's going to blow my mind why he hasn't been more involved at that quarterback position before these last couple games, and he should be the future for this team moving forward. I think he's he showed a lot of promise. Uh, he he kept plays alive, and yeah, that that offense was moving. They they were getting up and down the field. Um, they couldn't finish drives, which that'll happen. Uh, I believe what they made they made it into the red zone six times. Six times tonight and only scored three times. Only got a touchdown, what, once? Twice. Twice? Twice. So um, that's the, you know, that's something of a concern for West Virginia. But again, it's, it's kind of what you mentioned there. That's something we've seen gradually building over the last few weeks is that this defense just gets thinner and thinner and more injuries and more guys out. And there's only so much you can do before the, the dam is just going to break. Needs a bowl game for sure. I mean, needs a break before a bowl game for sure, but there's guys who can't play, like Andrew Wilson-Lamp can't play, Davis Malager can't play, Caleb Goldman can't play, St. McLeod's already playing. Like, there's not any reinforcements coming in. There's going to have to have – I'm not sure Lance Dixon played, right? Um, I know he was in uniform. I'm not sure he played Bryce Wheaton. Oh, that's an offensive. I'm looking at my list here. Um, no Van Darius Cowan, so that's that perhaps is the end. Um, you're, you're not getting some of these guys back. Maybe Dixon, but, like, you're not going to get reinforcements there unless that, you know – Caden Beiser gets on the field or Will Schooner has some really good practices. That's not going to solve it. So just a, a tough spot right now, too. Let's quickly revisit some things we talked about. I think chief among them was you had the wonderful chart. We had a pretty, I think, concise but also clear point talking point here that highest completion rate, Kansas defense. One of the lowest sack races, Kansas defense. If you give Daggy time, he's going to pick out a good throw and make it. And that really was it. And when he did get pressured, he even, he even kind of made some good decisions sometimes, but I think he got maybe a little bit too full of himself or was feeling so good that he thought he could do some things. And we saw some bad moments there too, but by and large, their run defense is really, really bad and heavy duty doses early at Matthews, excuse me, um, Mathis with Letty Brown being effective. And then I think the damn finally broke on Letty Brown's touchdown run, which came at a perfect time because that convinced Neil Brown, just keep handing it off. But I don't want to say as expected because this game did go sideways sometimes, but as far as I go formula, it, it was there and it did work. Sack adjusted rush, rushing yardage, 5.9 yards per carry, mm-hmm. 282 yards rushing. Um, pretty good. 
pretty good. Two guys running for over 100 yards for the first time since Eastern Kentucky last year. The third time against Kansas in the last five years. It's the only FBS team West Virginia has been able to do that against. Um, Letty looked great. I mean, he averaged eight yards per carry. And then I, I, I didn't get a note of anybody of, of any injury. Was it something specific? Did you hear anything? Because, I mean, it looked like they just shelved him. At first, I thought it was just because they were like, hey, we're, you know, yeah. uh, up two touchdowns. Let's let's give him a break after the 33-some carries he had last week. Because, uh, you know, Neil Brown noted that, said he didn't want to give him that many carries. And he didn't. Uh, he, he shelved him for the last – you know, a few drives there, and, and Tony Mathis got the workload. And I think Mathis was averaging over six yards per carry before you know, it became obvious run run situations in Kansas. Slowed down a little bit. A paltry 5.4 yards per carry. Yeah, weak. Yeah. Uh, Brown's last carry is his 44-yard touchdown run. Yeah. With 8.44 left in the third quarter, is that right? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it felt to me like they were just like, hey, it's over. Give give Letty a break. Let him end on that one. What a season for Justin Johnson, too. Yeah. Did he was he on the dress list? Yes. Did not play. I don't think he even got on special teams today. I might be wrong there, but I did not see him on special teams. But uh let's talk some jersey numbers. Are you ready? Go for it. Tony Mathis twenty four. Jalen Anderson twenty four. Jalen Dixon, number two, right? Uh, yeah. Lynn, excuse me, Lynn J. Dixon, right? Yeah, Lynn J. Dixon. I was like, Jalen, huh? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, Lynn, Lynn J. J. Dixon. Yeah, Lynn J. Dixon, number two. You know who else wears number two, Chris? I know. Oh, Jared Daigie. Is this breaking news? Do we break out the alarm? No, that's. I brought that up uh, on the board the other day when he committed because he he told me he needed a needed a graphic that had the number two jersey, and it didn't even register with me until I was like, oh well, if he's changing jerseys when you do the Photoshop graphics. If the jersey is different, you usually want to just put his head on another person, on whoever wears the number two jersey's body. And I was like, who wears number two for WVU? And it took me a second. And then I was like, oh, oh man. No, I don't want to go there. But we're there. Yeah, we're there. Let's not get, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves there. Again, we have we have some time before a bowl and then a long offseason, too, where nothing happens ever around West Virginia. So I'm sure we won't have anything to talk about there, too. Um First play from scrimmage, fumble. Wait, what, did we, what did we say before the, on the podcast? There was only one way West Virginia would not run up and down the field on Kansas and just score a bunch of points, and that was if they shot themselves in the foot and they did. fumbled without getting touched on the very first play. Uh, let me ask you this. Did you agree with going for the field goal on fourth and two for Kansas to start the game? Hmm. You're I asking your kicker not, to go not at this six. point. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you agree for going for the touchdown after the Letty Brown turnover? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I I don't think the difference for me. What What's the difference of three zero six and six zero when you know this is a game where it's going to take at least thirty points to win? I think them going for ten, you know, to go from three to ten was was the right call. Well, I do think it's it's a little bit different. I think you're probably right there too. But for example. They get a pretty good stop at the end of the third quarter. Uh, leg has to kick a 38-yarder. That makes it 31-21. If it's 31-24, that game's a little bit different. Um, but again, hindsight, it's very easy to say that. I understand. But I'm just thinking, I would love to get something out of that drive. If they give you a free possession, you want to get points out of it. Just get the momentum. And if you blow up that play, all of a sudden, West Virginia can thump its chest because their defense, I think is, I think if their defense gets energy, they're going to be good. And, and what's a good way to get energy? 
couple fourth down stops, which they got. So, you, listen, you don't make any of the plays you don't try to make, but that felt like one that maybe they just took the 6 nothing lead. It does pay off later, maybe. I don't know if you think about that, but, like, I was just thinking in the moment, I'd love to have a 6 nothing lead and make West Virginia feel like they, they shot themselves in the foot rather than, all right, dodge the bullet, we're good. We tried to shoot ourselves in the foot, but we got it out of the way just in time. 3 nothing. let's get back. And they did. They got right back into it with um, – it just looked really easy. It just looked like they were going to have what they want. Like they gave Daggy time, like just about an eternity. He finds Winston Wright. Um, he hits Winston Wright on a, a shallow cross. Like he's like the fifth or sixth read on that play. <laughs> like a third and goal play from the 14 or third and eight from the 14. You're not thinking it's going to be a cross, right? You're thinking it's going to be something in the end zone or, or pass the line. And he just catches it and runs by everybody. And you're just thinking this is going to be, you know, one of these games where they just have enough talent. They can do it. And then that great drive at the end of the first half to make it 21-13, but they kind of brought the other team back into it now, and I think they'll feel good about this. It's 4-2 to end the season is is not bad. Um, had had two-game winning streak, two-game losing streak, two-game winning streak. There's their stretches where they play better, but I'd be interested in, like, the magnifying glass or the microscope here and exactly what they think about the changes they made. They discussed some of them about what they've done and, and you know, maybe why they're slower or why they're getting more snaps, just different things about that are working on offense. And then I just don't know about the diagnosis on defense because their personnel is just so shorthanded. I like I like this half glass full kind of view you're giving us, Mike. In year zero, version three, part two, West Virginia is four and two. I like it. I mean, they they couldn't lose three. We kept saying they had to they had to win four before they lost three or something, and they did. So that's good yeah. for them. Um, I mean, yeah. They, I mean, I, I'm I'm being a smart ass, but seriously, I mean that that's not easy to do with the schedule that was left. Finding four wins, we, we sat there at that halfway point and said, "Find four wins. Where are these four wins going to be?" And a couple of the ones, you know, were were pretty obvious. I felt like TCU and Kansas seemed prime for the picking. And, and then you said you had to beat Texas. You had to beat Iowa State. Or actually, I think we said had to beat Texas. Had to be maybe at Kansas State because we, yeah, we the, thought you almost had to get two out of three: Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Texas, because we didn't believe in them on the road. Yeah, didn't think they could beat Iowa State. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was it was uh, so that it's a strong finish. I wasn't trying to be a complete smartass, but. Four and two for the second half of the season is is pretty good. That said, six and six, and you had to beat Kansas by six on a seven o'clock game where you're largely an afterthought on the last day of the season. I think this I'm not being derogatory. I've just been kind of positive, I think, but you you did get yourself into this situation because when it was important early on, just didn't have the plays or the responses. And I think you could look at times today and say, All right, it's adverse. Do they have something? I just never thought they were bad against adversity. I just thought they were bad to themselves. And they couldn't make the best of good situations or couldn't make good situations. They kind of really hurt themselves a lot. Everybody said that. I get that. But even tonight, you know, again, fumble in the first play, you got to stop. Um, the pick six, get a touchdown after that. Play decent enough defense. You at least gave yourself cover on defense and your offense could get points on the board. Felt like that was good. I think they scored, what, 13 unanswered? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 13 unanswered there. So that's that's good enough. Good enough defense. Got support down plays there, too. So that's good. Uh, but again, if you step back six weeks from now, the bowl is over. You're into recruiting. You're past the February second, or the, the first, the first Wednesday in February, whatever date that is. And you're looking at like, man, six or seven wins, six or seven losses, coulda, woulda, shoulda. During the season, I don't know, but like, step back holistically. How do you feel about everything? Eh, I'm not sure everybody's being pumped up about beating Kansas late in the season either. No, 
no, no, no. But then I think this is where it comes into how does how do things go over the next couple of weeks with recruiting? How do things go in the bowl game? Because then that that might be what helps instead of solely focusing on the Kansas part of it, Kansas just becomes a piece of a bigger, stronger finish. And you can say one, five of seven to end the year, one, three in a row to end the year. And I think that is the better pitch, but it requires a bowl win. It requires a a, a good signing day. It requires holding on to most of the class, adding a couple other pieces, going into the transfer portal for a couple other guys, all of which, all this stuff we're talking about, they're very capable of doing. So I think this could just be a piece of what's a bigger pitch to say that this was a strong finish for the program. And the other part is whatever, um, if you were, I'm trying to think here, if you were to, to put together the playbook and then use your adjectives or slogans to describe it on offense right now, is that in place either first practice of the spring first practice of the regular season or does it look much different i wonder if they just kind of huddled at some point and said all right we got to get out of the bomb shelter here um here's how we come out and we're going to do this and this we're not going to do this 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 and this and then it's totally different because of spring and preseason they're back to what they want to be what they intend to be or is there something to what they've done and it's easier for them to play this way and win like is their roster not going to be so much better slash different and if that's the case like is this really that exciting I don't know, 34 points, and this was an entertaining game, but could have had more points. I understand that. They could have gone over 40, but didn't. But like, I just I just wonder about that sometimes, too. Again, I'm not pouring water on a fire I'm starting. I understand that like this sounds kind of weird, disingenuous, but I just think that could this be so much different? A lot of it may have to do with the quarterback. It may have to do with people on the offensive line or receiver who are or are not yet here. We'll see. Or who aren't here that are here now. We'll see. Just the nature of college football now. But I just wonder how much different – Will the offense or does the offense have to look the next time we see this team after a bowl game? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Speaking of the bowl game, are you excited for bowl game opt-out season? Tickled. Can't wait. Like, I have, I have a list. You know it's already started, right? I have a Did list. You, I've, uh, I bet you those conversations have happened with the coaches, yeah. too. Oh, did you not see the the post on the board about uh, a certain star senior running back posting this was his last game for West Virginia? Oh, really? Before the game? Hmm. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I bet you those conversations happen with the coaches. Oh, I yeah. My response to that was I would be, I would have I didn't even consider it a possibility that he would play in a bowl game. Never even crossed my mind. There will be others. Yep. There will be. Just na- just natural. Uh, finally, have um, I'm just curious here. Um, I'm not. I'm trying to figure out what's going on in the Oklahoma State game right now. As we're talking, because I want to bounce this off of you. Since we're not in the conversation for a playoff bid once again, this Final Four is intense. Yeah. As we speak, Oklahoma State has the ball up four, uh, with about six minutes left. Who knows what happens? Big games next week in the SEC and in the Big Twelve. 
we'll see what happens with it's definitely gonna be Oklahoma State and somebody, but let's just presume Oklahoma State wins here tonight. They get Baylor next week. How would you do your top four for Tuesday? If they win tonight? Let's say Oklahoma State pulls this out tonight. Okay. So going into the final championship weekend. God, Alabama needed all that against just to beat. I mean, I might jump. I think I'm jumping Notre Dame. Oklahoma State is. Okay. Yeah, them at four. Ohio State. So I got that. I have Oklahoma State at at least five mm-hmm. heading into the Baylor game. And a win over Baylor, if you back to back Oklahoma and Baylor for Oklahoma State, you have to seriously be in contention for a top four spot for me. Yeah. Like very seriously. Who did Oklahoma State lose to? Uh, Iowa State. Iowa State, like on a really yeah. weird spot. Too. On a, in a last second at in Ames. It's a tough loss. I was thinking they lost to Baylor and they could have been Listen, I'm with you there. I think you're going to have one, two, George, Alabama, probably, right? Michigan's mm-hmm. probably three. Yeah. And but then Cincinnati, Cincinnati maybe three, two. <laughs> yeah. Cincinnati. I was going to say, I think it's going to be Georgia, Bama, Michigan, Cincinnati. And then I would have Oklahoma State over Notre Dame. I don't know if a guy, Lord knows what this committee does. They're yeah. always so full of it. That Winging it. You never know. Uh, their criteria changes from week to week. But that would be my top five. Would be Is, Georgia, Bama, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. All right. Uh, Oklahoma State wins tonight, wins against Baylor. Um, Michigan wins the Big Ten. Cincinnati wins the American. Georgia wins the SEC. Does Alabama get in the top four? No. I think if Alabama loses a second time, they're out. Now, if Alabama beats Georgia. You have two SEC teams in. I'm sorry, Cincinnati. I am. Really? They're not even your four. I I understand Alabama, Georgia are in for sure. But then, like, who's you're you're knocking out Cincinnati, even with a win over. And and if Oklahoma State beats Baylor, I would have to think I would have to consider. So in, in this scenario. Alabama beats Georgia. Both of those teams are in. Right. Michigan wins Big Ten. Who are they playing? Uh, is Wisconsin. it Wisconsin? No, Wisconsin lost. You're right. My bad. Um, I think I'd have. I don't actually. I don't even care who they play because they're. If Michigan wins, they're in. So we're just going to say they're in. So that's three. So then it comes down to a an undefeated Cincinnati team. Or an Oklahoma State team that just ended with wins over Oklahoma and Baylor, two top ten teams. Mm-hmm. Which Iowa is just those two. Just those two games are better than any two games that Cincinnati's played this entire season. Okay, Iowa so. is your your West Division, by the way. Okay, um, yeah, I wonder about brand recognition for Oklahoma State, twelve and one, and like cool program i get that but like is that gonna be enough to overcome still cool cincinnati at 13 and 0 and like that lose losing houston's not or beating houston's not like a joke like houston's good i don't i mean i hope people notice that like yeah won a lot of football games in a row have cultivated a pretty good defense they have an offense and you've beaten 11 one ranked team like they're gonna be top 20 in the in the cfp coming up if you beat that team i don't know do they need neutral site in their in their championship game not even sure I don't know. I paid a lot of attention to AAC, but like that's a quality win. I don't know. Like, I mean, honestly, like they might 
they won't be higher than Baylor, but like Houston's going to be in the vicinity of Baylor. It's not like it's they're it's not like they're beating Rutgers or UConn to to get into the 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 BCS back in the Big East days or something like that. So that's really interesting. I was just thinking about that today. How I kind of miss those conversations that I've never actually really been involved in before. Well, the good news is we can change our our mind again tomorrow, and it doesn't matter. Yes. Also, just be on the lookout for bowl stories now because every bowl is going to be delighted about the possibility to have West Virginia. Every single one. Every bowl spokesman you person you can get. I hope you're not looking for me to write that story, <laughs> Chris. You uh, anyway, listen because the the bowl rep I get on the phone or an email is going to say I am excited about the potential of having West Virginia's fans in the insert name bowl because that's just how they're operating. So to be on the lookout for the stuff like that doesn't really make a lot of difference. And again, it's, it could really be up to the SEC about who West Virginia plays in a bowl game where they end up too. But uh, I'll try to get to the bottom of these things, at least about some scenarios sooner than later. But, but really, truly, it might have to wait until next week too because, I mean, anybody who's bowl eligible that West Virginia is going to draw is already bowl eligible. So it's not like they're going to have a team that wins a championship game and gets in there. So it's a small number of teams, but there's some possibilities. But hopefully they start talking about that soon. And hey, we can have this conversation now, which certainly beats – what do you do with a five and seven team and the coaching staff that had all of their contracts extended in March of last year and are all under contract for 2022? Did you want to take a moment on that? I'll what do you think about floor. that? I, it always, it always makes me ask. The question is always why, why, why this, why that, why that? Not why did these guys get extended? Why did they get extended? And absolutely nothing was made of it. Nothing. They have a nutrition athlete of the week, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Someone goes to a training table and eats some like kind bars, and they get an award for it. You get all your coaches under contract. You give coaches raises, and no one mentions it. There's not a press release. There's not a tweet. There's not a hey, I got a I got a thing I want to tell you. When you see me or anybody in the hallway, that's that's kind of strange to me. That makes me wonder how enthusiastic. The decision is and that that may just be me being again someone who just wants to whip stuff up but like everybody's always happy about football and and outwardly that's fine like i don't i mean perceptionally like wins and losses are one thing but like i don't think anybody has a problem with the personality or the character of the football team and i don't think anybody's gonna be upset that sean reagan or shadon brown oh, he already got one sean reagan or or dante wright got new contracts so i don't understand why that's like not why that's not something that they trump it unless it's just like listen we just talked about the head coach's contract you keep yours quiet please that's a strange thing to me. Yeah, especially back in March. You know, this isn't some like, you know, scenario where the team was was two and four and they made this deal and they're trying to hide it like they're embarrassed by it. They made this deal back in the spring when like everybody was a maybe hot commodity is too strong of a word, but there was a, pre- a very positive view of basically everyone on this staff. And I, I mean, I still think there are positive views of everybody on the staff, but at that point in March, like there was no negative thoughts about any position or group or the offense or the defense or the future of the program, none at all. And so for them to hide it at that point just seems so odd to me. I wrote about it in February and I wonder, like, I'm not sure anybody's like, you know what, Mike wrote about that. It's been a great time to extend our coaches. <laughs> I don't think that's what happened, but like, it's a surprise me that they didn't talk about that to anybody, but I just don't think they care about what people know or think. I, I just don't think that's their interest at all. And again, is that negative? Whatever. I don't know. That's not the people who get asked a lot of questions and, and ask for money for a lot of things. But to me, it's just like, I don't, that's strange. Why wouldn't you want to talk about it? Um, and if you're not sure what we're talking about, they had seven coaches who were up, who were up for contracts at the end of the season, everybody in offense. And then 
Dante Wright and Jeff Koons on defense. And they extended those seven coaches in February and March. So now all these coaches are under contract for next season. So if this thing went really bad and you went four and eight, five and seven, you have to pay some of those coaches to go away if you fire them. And there may still be off-season coaching changes here where they have to fire somebody. Now, people are going to be like, all right, what are you clutching your pearls about? You weren't told the truth, the money. It's not my money. I don't care. And I don't care if they told me the truth or not. Like that. I didn't really ask the question. They never lied to me about it. But, like, it just seems strange to me they didn't do anything about it. But also, the money doesn't bother me because the way they, they write these things, too, if, if they if they can, they're – I'm picking a number here. Um, okay. I'll just trace my finger across the coaching roster. Matt Moore. If they can't Matt Moore, there's a coaching roster here in my office, and I just stopped on his face. If they can't Matt Moore, they don't have to pay him if he goes somewhere else and makes more money. If he goes somewhere else and makes less money, he only gets paid the difference. So it's not a huge amount of money. And these coaches are all employable. They're going to get a job somewhere else. So the financial burden isn't so much. But it just seems odd to me that you wouldn't, like, kind of talk about it. And also, if your evaluation is off, and this thing did go four and eight, five and seven, six and six, maybe six and seven. Who knows? I wonder if if how that affects future business th- decisions or transactions. And then, you know, if if the administration isn't willing to go the full nine yards, does that cause some sort of a um, arch brow in other parts of the coaching suite? Oh, I can't get this. Oh, we can't get this extension. Oh, I can't get this much more money above my pool for this coach coordinator, whomever, whatever that I want. I wonder about that sometimes, too. We don't have answers to that right now, but we have questions as to how that may become a factor in the future. So what does it really mean? Right now, not so much. It could mean something in the future. We'll see. But just thought it was strange that it wasn't mentioned at all. We we should have made this one a separate podcast. I think we could have gone another 30 minutes. I'm going to go get a con bar and call it a night. <laughs> I'll send out a tweet recognizing well, you. Oh, yeah. How's your... Uh, father-in-law's window by the way <laughs> still not fixed holiday weekend but uh those guys patched it up with some of their electrical tape and some wood and <laughs> covered that hole but uh still no glass where the glass is supposed to be coming up in the site power rankings plays to change the game i don't know we'll see people want that yeah we might have that back up got some recruiting stuff going on uh some recruiting news coming down the pike might have some more transfer portal stuff going on this week uh you got two weekends coming up here where a lot of visits visitors are coming into town so it it could get interesting basketball games too right that'll help oh yeah that's going on too what did you think about the game last night uh scam through it scam through it i guess um perimeter defense is not very good they got to figure out the five on offense. Yes. And then do you think, do you think Huggins figured it out? Cause yeah, I don't know if you saw the, the second half stats. Cottrell three minutes. Do you think that's a tough, half? that's a tough guard for him? Do you think like a team think, like Eastern Kentucky? I think it's one, it's a tough guard and two, I'm not sure he's a five. Like I think, you know, no. you and I have talked about this before. He's, he's more of a four kind of a perimeter type of guy it's tough to ask him to be the five and bang down low with some of those guys and he's and it's still kind of tough to ask him to run around on the perimeter with those guys that can shoot like that so i think a bigger thing would be if he's gonna play the four they need bridges to rebound and, and yeah. play some perimeter stuff and that's he's he's been he's had good halves and i guess he was good against Pitt too i should say that but they got to get that one going too uh mcneil i don't know man I, I like the times where he's when if you can bottle up that second half McNeil against Clemson, that's great. But I, I think he knows 
he's got a great awareness of himself sometimes, but I also think there's times where he's just kind of in between phases or he, he knows that it's not a play that's going to end up for him or he's just not having it and he's on the floor. But guys like that, like either you got to shoot yourself out of it or pass yourself out of it or rebound yourself out of it. And I know he can do that. Like we've seen him make those plays, but that's a guy that I think he put it best. If he's going to regress, so is the team because the opposite's true too. Like they don't win that Clemson game if he doesn't get hot. And that's, that's right. not like a, a detriment. That's a, that's a compliment to him. Like he turned it on the right spot and they won that game. Well, if he's going to be, you know, a turtle at times, and that's going to be bad for them too. But I just the one thing is like I think they're going to have to play a lot of people just because the way they they want to play defense. But I'm really not sure it's like a twelve or thirteen person team, like or an eleven or twelve person team. Going to have to tighten up the rotation, that's for sure. We'll see. But again, you play a lot of guys, you're going to strike it sometimes. You're going to get Curry who gets hot, or you're going to get, you know, I don't know. It could be somebody else that that just gets hot. It could be Keydrian Johnson. It could be Curry. It could be Bridges. It could be a lot of these people that either play a lot or. Um, maybe a Curry or a Kedrian Johnson doesn't play a whole lot. I'm trying to think of somebody else who might be on that periphery. Um, maybe, I mean, Kerrigan gave him some good possessions, I think, late in that game, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see. Fluid, fluid situation. But they have, they have some tough games coming up. Like, though they should destroy Bellarmine in, in the Sean McNeil game. Uh, but they, I mean, they have some teams coming up too. Like that UConn game will be really interesting. I'll be here before you know it. And then, you know, they, Big 12 is uh, surprisingly good. I don't know if that's a surprise because it's supposed to be good, but like some of those first year coaches look good. A lot of these teams look good. And, you know, we'll see if, if Iowa State's still undefeated or if, if Oklahoma is as potent offensively as they continue to look, or if they'll continue to look as, as potent as they are right now. But it's coming fast for sure, right? Yeah. I was say, other than Kansas losing to Dayton the other day, I think some of the teams that you may be expected to be bad in the league might not be as bad as you thought, um, which I think, you, you know, w- when your weakest link isn't that weak, it makes this league a lot more, a lot tougher than it is if you just have one elite team at the top. Well, you know who beat Dayton? Who's that? Well, we're not supposed to talk about that, that scrimmage. <laughs> it might have happened, though. But yeah, I know one person that talks about it, and it ain't you and me. Yeah, that's true. The one person's <laughs> not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> See, he could talk about whatever the heck he wants. I'm sure if he wants to talk about contracts, he would do it too. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.